Welcome back as we continue our daily Bible reading, starting this week, this this Monday. Uh, yesterday, I pray you were in, in the Lord's house, either either in present, uh, um, in person, or uh, or video um, online, uh, in person, then that way, and and uh, uh, at the same time uh, with those who worshipped with you. If that was impossible, you got a chance to do that later. Thank God for the technology to be able to have those videos. And for you and I to be able to go back to them, and and if if a pastor happens to hit a message that just really hits home for you, you can go back and listen to that again, and again. Thanks be to God for that technology, and for the people who have the gifts to do that, um, who are doing that um, uh, on our behalf. So thank God for them. God's providing uh, either way. It's it's all as a gift from Him. So we're in Leviticus chapter seven for today, and you'll be maybe you'll be glad to know that we're done. In chapter seven ends that uh, concludes the God's manual of offerings. For them. But here's what I want you to think about. Here's the reason why God gives the offerings. And it's one of many reasons why God tells them when you come, you need to bring your offerings. So think of it this way. Instead of God coming down to our level uh, in that uh, he would enter our sinful world and enter our sin and become like us and become, you know, down to down to us so he would be a sinner like us, God raises us up to his level. But the only way that that can happen is our sin has to be paid for. There has to be a sacrifice for that to happen. And so God wants to raise us up rather than rather than him come down to our level and leave us where we're at. Um, if you think about it, and maybe this is a little stretch right here, um, but in um, uh, God kicks Adam and Eve out of the garden and he guards the tree of life so that they don't eat from the tree of life after they've sinned and remain there. That was actually a loving thing was for God to put that cherubim at the tree of the tree of life because he wanted to raise them up rather than let, have them stay for eternity, live forever, have life forever um, in the hellish condition that we're here in on this earth. And, and I probably shouldn't use that word hell because hell is much worse than anything we have right now. Uh, but it's certainly what, not what God wants for us. So God in love uh, reminded them through these offerings of the fact that the only way they can be in his presence is if something happens because of their sin, if the price is paid for, and of course we know that that he ultimately gave us the perfect sacrifices. These are all but but a uh, a type of the perfect uh, sacrifice that Jesus was going to offer for us. But yet he kept giving them object lessons along the way, as I've said before, that he would allow the the the. The punishment for us, the price for us, the price for our sin to be paid for, for our sin to be transferred over onto someone else or something else. In this case, the sacrifice is the animals, but in, in, in the perfect way, in that transfer being made upon Jesus Christ and him hanging on that cross and dying for us. Remember, that's why Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane is going, oh my gosh, God, I don't know um, um, if there's some other way for uh, for me to take this cup of your wrath, which is our cup, the cup that we made, um, yet not my will but thine be done. He knew the extent of that. And so the offerings were just kind of reminding them of that. And again, God raising them up to, uh, to his level. So there's a number of offerings that are brought up in, in chapter 7. Uh, there's the, uh, um, there, there's, um, I'm looking for the notes in my in my uh, Bible here. Um, no, didn't catch, oh yeah. If you look at verse 37 of chapter 7, it says, uh, the law of the burn offering, the grain offering, the sin offering, the guilt offering, the ordination offering, and the peace offering. Let's, so let's go back and look at some of those details and see what we learn uh, from those. 
So um, notice uh, the most holy of all of them, verse 7, is the guilt offering. That's a guilt that we've incurred because of our sin. We are guilty. Think of it that way. We're standing in this court, and, and uh, the, um, the evidence stacks up against us. But hey, guess who we have? We have an advocate. We have our defense attorney. We have this, this paraclete, is the New Testament language, who stands alongside us, talks and calls alongside us, and says, hey, I paid the price for them. They're Therefore, you could find them not guilty, and that's what we have before God. Um, so what an incredible gift that we have from God. Um, God doesn't overlook our sin, um, and, and then we always have to worry about, well, is he going to find them again? No, he says, I separate you from your sin as far as east is from west. I forgive your sins and remember them no more. When the judge hits the gavel and says not guilty, he forgets it. That case is closed. It's done. Can you imagine that before God, that that's what happens for us? Thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. His mercy and certainly endures forever. Um, uh, notice then that uh, uh, in, in verse 6, he reminds us again that the priesthood is something for the men. It was a responsibility placed upon the shoulders of men to take that, just as God does in marriage when he makes us heads in our marriage. That doesn't mean privilege. That doesn't mean uh, anything. It means responsibility. It means a job to do. We are to love our wives as Christ loved the church, and we know what he did for the church. Uh, when the priest offers that sacrifice, verse 7, it makes atonement. God accepts that sacrifice, that sacrifice as an offering for sin. Of course, it wasn't a permanent one because they had to keep doing it over and over again. Jesus offers the perfect once-for-all sacrifice you know, on our behalf. Uh, but notice, too, that, that we're getting a, more of a hint of something I brought up before, that part of the sacrifice, part of what was brought, was also to provide for the physical um, nutritional needs for the priest. Notice in verse 9. Uh, that part of what he offers there belonged to the priest who offers it. And verse 10, shared equally among the sons up Aaron. Remember, the priest didn't, didn't have any land gifted to them. Uh, inherited by them, uh, but their their uh, gift was the priesthood itself, and God's people took care of them. Kind of reminds me of uh, you know pastor and people. You you care for me by your offerings. Part of your offerings goes to pay my pay my salary uh, and to take care of me, so I can do the job that I've been you know vested to do. Um, and the stole and the whole shot that goes along with it there. Um, then notice, too, how, how unique and special and holy this offering is to be. Uh, this isn't something where we God, give God day-old bread or, or you know, the, the least expensive thing or something we were going to throw out anyway. Look at verse 15. Um, it says that the sacrifice for the peace offering shall be eaten on the day of his offering. It shall, he shall not leave any of it until morning, but if the sacrifice this offering of vow is there and given as a free will offering. In other words, they didn't have to do this. They chose to do this out of out of faith and trusting God. Um, and, but if it's left uh, beyond the next day, uh, verse 17 says, shall be burned up with fire. We give God the best. Uh, why? Because it's tainted. Uh, verse uh, 18 says, uh, and he who eats of it shall bear its iniquity. In other words, uh, like I said before, don't give God the garbage. Give God, Give God the best. Um, same thing with uh, anything that touches anything unclean, uh, to say that there are things that are clean and things that are unclean. These are kind of object lessons, again, for them, how our sin makes us unclean. And until we're made clean, we're not acceptable to God. We're just fooling ourselves if we think, oh, I'm okay, I'm, I'm unclean, I've never done anything wrong. You know, we're fooling ourselves. It's not the truth. We're cut off because of that. Notice the emphasis again in verses 25 and 26. 
about the importance of the fat and the blood, how that was not to be eaten, that was to be offered up to God. And I got a little note in my commentary that said they might have used some of the fat then for uh, for oil for their lamps. And so everything was used um, and everything had a purpose for it. But because of the, the times that they lived in and the people they lived around who considered the fat and the blood to have some kind of, you know, uh, special um, uh, significance in and of itself or power in and of itself, um, God says, we need to get rid of that. It will only pull you away from me. Then um, on uh, on page 30, we're introduced again to the wave offering. And in my commentary, my notes, they mention this. It says, um, the reason they call it a wave offering, it says because it was extended and, and offered horizontally away from the body and back and then the breast waved, or that was waved horizontally, and then the thigh was raised vertically. And you see what I just made in both of those signs, the sign of the cross. And maybe that was God's way of, you know, uh, pointing us towards that cross. We know what would happen, happen there. So um, we'll get into the next day, into uh, the consecration that God requires of them. But I pray God's blessing as you continue to read.